Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Serious issues in this city. So, 
that being the first question, we'll go right into the positive side. Tell us a little bit about you for those who are saying, hey, it's early election. It's just on Monday. I'm confused. I don't know who to vote for. Who's Jack Meeks? Well, that's an interesting question. I've had some time to think about that since <laughs> since I turned 72 years ago, which I think is kind of a time of reflection. And then uh, doing this um, campaign, I had to think more about uh, who I was, how I got here, what was important to me, what did I bring to the city, what did I want to see about the city. So a, a couple of things, well, this wouldn't be a complete answer, but a couple of things. Uh, we've sort of made a joke of it since I've said it so many times. I came here right out of college. This month is 50 years ago Oh wow! to start, to start my CPA career. Uh, 20 years ago uh, in May, my wife and I bought a home in historic Springfield. So one of the things I've said about our one square mile is a lot of, if not almost all the problems, opportunities that we have in our city uh, can be shown in our one square mile. So it gave me a different look at our city. In fact, you, you know, I've talked about this, Robert, about being a tale of two cities. Mm -hmm. you know, I'd always lived south of the river before, and I didn't have the sorts of issues that you and I have explored when you've driven around the neighborhood with me. Right. So I don't have a solution for all those issues, but a lot of the issues I have experienced and I experience on a day-by-day -day basis, whether it's busted sidewalks or streets or, or sewage systems that leak or whether it's one day you and I rode around the neighborhood, I think in a matter of an hour, counting 50 tires that people have left behind, or whether it's uh, holes in the street, or whether it's issues with cleanliness. Crime is so much better than it was 20 years ago, but it's still an issue. Right. So that's that's been a part of it. It's just the experience I've had the uh, in living in in our neighborhood where we're sitting right now. We're sitting in our in our neighborhood right now as we as we take this. The other thing is when I came here all these 50 years ago, Robert, that's half a century, you know. Well, well, longer than I can last. Yeah, I know. I was getting to that. I guess if I was Abraham Lincoln, it'd be two score and ten. <laughs> so the second thing is I came here for a financial career as a CPA. And we talked about uh, love should make the world go around, but oftentimes it's money that makes the world go around. And so I started looking at our financial information, financial statements for the city, the audited statements, or the budget, some of the uh, pension statements. And we've got some serious issues and opportunities there. So two of the things that really have come together for me is having experienced a lot of the issues we have in the city and also studying the city's financial statements and trying to figure out, you know, how do we better position ourselves financially to deal more effectively with these issues that we have in the city and opportunities. So you mentioned I rode around with you, and it's funny because I'm going to play a clip, <laughs> <laughs> one of the clips, of the many clips that we have. Um, so again, kind of give it some background for those of you who have seen some of the writing of Jack's little promos. Um, this clip reflects what Jack is speaking of. And here in the Springfield area, it is a representation of really all cities in, in one. So uh, we're going to play this and just uh, take a look. Trash guys aren't going to pick that up. So we need a process, someone in the community, when something is out like this, 
There's a number that you call? Yeah, you call a number to get that picked up. And I was talking to a lady over a village on the east side who's real active. And she called and has tracked it up. And we've been sitting in the neighborhood meeting to these numbers. And apparently they have an application where you can do that today. And she does it so often they can say that we're taking that's all right. But that's one way to sit down and get calls. So that that was just one of the clips uh, from that from that ride. And you guys on Facebook, hopefully you see that you saw all the trash and everything we just showed you. Um, so we want to hear from you. If you want to hear and speak to uh, Mr. Meeks yourself, guess what? He's here. He's in every home that's watching this. The number to call in is right on the bottom of the screen. It's area code three one nine. Five two seven six two four six. You have to press the number one to speak. If you call in and you don't press number one, you just be in the queue. So remember, the number's right there at the bottom of the screen is three one nine five two seven six two four six. Press the number one, and it'll put you live on the air to speak right here with uh, Mr. Lee. So yeah, that was an interesting clip. <laughs> well, you know, maybe think too. This was someone else who rode around with me, Robert. <clears throat> but uh, one of the things I heard a while back is that. Uh, a budget for the city <clears throat> is not just a financial statement, it's also a moral statement. Mm -hmm. You know, where we prioritize, how we spend our money. And one of the ride-arounds I did, there's the street on the east side, there's one particular corner that seems to have been a real attraction for people dumping. And I could tell when the pile would grow sometimes to be 10 or 15 feet long, and maybe almost waist high. They had a lot of construction debris in there. It clearly wasn't coming just from the homes around there. It was coming from people who were using that as a dumping site. So one day, when I was taking someone on a ride around, there were two little children coming home from elementary school, I think, based on their size, with their backpacks and everything, walking past that extensive trash pile. And going back to our budget, being not just a financial statement, a moral statement. You know, I wonder, what are those children of ours being shown and told about how the city values them when that's what they see in their neighborhood and their walk home from school? And we as a city need to do better than that. And I wish, you know, I wish everybody in Jacksonville who was in a position to make those kinds of decisions and think about what's important had seen that particular uh, opportunity with those little children walking past that trash bomb that all <laughs> practically came up to their waist or higher. Wow. wow that's, that's, so let me get to the next question. What do you plan on accomplishing uh, within the first 90 days when I like this? Well, that's a tough question, Robert. You're supposed to serve me up more softball than that. <laughs> You're supposed to be on my side. I think the first thing I really want to do is I want to really figure out where we are financially. Right. I ended up after I made some of my initial reviews, uh, what I thought were some pretty serious questions to ask. And so I had an attorney friend of mine draft up a public information request. In fact, several of them I sent to the city. And to say I didn't get uh, complete answers would be a compliment. I basically got stiffed. So one of the things I want to do is I want to get the questions that I have answered to have a better sense of where we really are financially and what we need to do hear this word a lot, to be more transparent with our financial information, more timely, and more accurate. Because based on what I've seen in our two audited financial statements, 
we're none of those three things at the moment. And so to decide or understand better how we really spend money, I really need to understand and get answers to some of these financial questions I have. So next question would be, we have a problem recruiting and retaining police officers, firefighters. Uh, where do we start with that? Well, that's another tough question, Robert. <clears throat> you know, just as an aside, I was looking at the Wall Street Journal today, and there was an article in there about, uh, I think, a pretty wealthy suburb in Maryland, and they're having the same problems uh, that we're have that we're having, recruiting, obtaining, and retaining uh, qualified police officers. And they were, and the article was talking about how they've got experienced police officers who are retiring and they're not replacing them even with the right numbers and even more so not with the experience level. That's the problem. <laughs> so they, they got the same problem we do. Right. Our problem is, uh, is, is made worse by the fact that we did away with what's called a defined benefit pension plan. Uh, we had folks who were grandfathered in, but new people being hired don't get to participate in that kind of pension plan. And from all the conversations I've had, and the, in fact, I listened, I think you were with me that day, that we listened to the two sheriff's candidates in the special election who were running for sheriff at that particular point in time. Both of them said for us to be able to recruit, obtain, and retain qualified officers, we we're going to have to go back to that sort of, that kind of pension plan. Uh, as an example, the firefighters tell me that they used to have six or 700 people on a waiting list. Now it's down to zero. Wow. So we're, we've got some serious issues there of how we get um, in a position to attract the officers that we need. And we're not competitive because I'm not aware of any other city or county anywhere around here that doesn't have the type of pension that we used to have. So that's probably not the, that's not the total answer, but that's probably part of the answer to begin to make us competitive. But from everything I've seen and heard, we are not competitive now. Yeah, I mean, I, and, uh, just based on what you're telling me, that seems to be pretty scary. When there's a shortage of firefighters and police officers, and they're not wanting to be a part of the system because of how it's structured. Do you think that leads to some type of fracture, if, if not already, in, in our system? Well, it, you know, one of the things I wonder, Robert, is, can we, you know, can we explain these types of things and actually avoid a crisis situation? Because it could seem like that we're getting closer to that. You know, as an example, again, these are discussions I've had with JSO personnel and with the firefighters that we're down uh, 150, or maybe it's even now 170 officers at the jail, and so that, and so they're thinking about you know doing more of. Uh, a bonus program to get people to work in the jail. Well, I'm sure, Robert, have you ever worked in the jail? No, I'm no, not. I haven't. <laughs> have you ever been in the jail? <laughs> Killed by my thing. <laughs> well, I did for back in the 80s and 90s. I did a good bit of prison ministry. Mm -hmm. you know, those are the long-term facilities. Right. And let me tell you, you know that's rough work. But if we can't if we can't have the people that we need in there we're not going to be able to keep folks who need to be there in the jail because we're not going to have enough people to take care of it. So 
something else I got to do <clears throat> in the last few weeks, I guess when a month or so ago now, I got a partial t- tour of JSO, and I got to sit in and listen to the people who take the 911 calls. Now, they had me muted, so I couldn't say anything, which was, which was good. But one of the things, you know, their, their counts are down there, too. Wow. And so what happens, let's say you're working an eight-hour shift, and I'm supposed to come in and spell you after eight hours. Well, for whatever reason, I'm sick or something happens, I can't come in. Now, you have to work a 16-hour shift. People aren't going to do that on a continuing basis. They might do it for a little while or once in a while, but they're not going to do it on a continuing basis. Same sort of thing. I also got to look at this area where we have cameras set up that have tended to be more uh, high-profile areas of crime. And so talking to the lady in there, they don't have the room at JSO to have all the people in the same place with that. That's an issue. And she was telling me that they probably need twice the number of cameras that we have. So there's all sorts of things that we could do that would be more effective. And it all comes back, Robert, eventually to money. Well, yes, yes. Follow the money. (laughs) It sounds about right. Wow. It's this is it's, it's, it's breathtaking, and with money that goes to our actual infrastructure, which leads to our next question: um, Have you had any experience with the development of downtown, and uh, do you have any plans for the future for how they should be? Well, the first question: Yes, um, I guess for four or five years I was on the Downtown Investment Authority, which is the the main organization for the city that this charge with improving downtown. Mm-hmm. And then uh, in this neighborhood where we're sitting, my wife and I have done uh, several of what I call uh, love projects where we rescued old buildings. And this goes back now to 2015, I think it is. I thought we'd done our last love project. And I've been out of town for a few days visiting with my nephew. And my wife took me to dinner when I got back and told me there was a building downtown that she thought needed to be saved. And so we did one more love project. So we have a a really beautiful building on East Duval Street across from the Catholic Basilica. And my understanding is it's a four-unit apartment building. That's the first residential building that's been uh, redone or renovated, restored downtown in the last several decades and get city money. So a couple of the main issues. And none of these issues, Robert, are easy to fix. Uh, people from out of town come in and see our downtown, and one of the first things they'll ask me is, what's that funny-looking building with the small windows? And why is it so close to the river? Well, the people want to see the river? Well, it's our jail. <laughs> you mean you put our jail almost on your river? Well, yeah, we did. Now, that's going to take big bucks to move the jail out of downtown, but that clearly is not a plus for downtown. It's also not a plus that we have uh, a concentration of homeless facilities downtown. That's not a plus either. I know we have issues renting our apartments because we have homeless folks. Uh, we had a, a person come the other day, and I think he might have taken, we have a vacancy, he might have taken an apartment because it's a 11 year old girl, and he sees some of the homeless up and down the streets, and that's, you know, that's off-putting. Mm-hmm. So um, those are two issues that will need to be more effectively addressed if we're going to have the downtown that we want to have. Because people want uh, 
whatever the area is, using our downtown as an example, people want it to be safe and clean 24-7 in reality and perception. So if I don't perceive it that way, then that becomes my reality. Wow. So let's talk about MPA. What is it? And the reason I'm asking this question is because uh, when the campaign first began, I thought everyone knew what it was. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I around. A lot of people say, well, what is that? You know, it's, what is it? <laughs> so what is it and, and why are you in today? Well, of course, it stands for no party affiliation. Mm -hmm. And so my particular history, I got – I was able to vote for the first time in 1972. I was 21 years old. And almost everybody in Florida at that point in time um, was a Democrat. Oh, wow. you, you might have heard the story of a, of a yellow dog Democrat. That <laughs> if it's a yellow dog and a Democrat, I'm still voting for the yellow dog. <laughs> and then somewhere along the way, I had, a, I had a business and a financial career. And I thought the Republican Party, Republican Party was more the party for business. And so... Uh, I became uh, a Republican, or registered as a Republican. And then I was looking at my registration card here not too long ago, if I'm remembering this correctly. About 2014, I think it was, it just seemed to me that, that the Republican Party had gone off in some directions I no longer felt comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And I didn't feel comfortable going back to the Democrat Party. And so uh, I became a no-party affiliation. I wasn't thinking about running for office at that point in time. And so when I started thinking about that, I had, and one of the things Robert's been interesting about, one of the things about doing this, running for office, is uh, the amount of contradictory opinions I've gotten. <laughs> so I had some people tell me, well, you need to join the Republican Party. And I had other people tell me, you need to join the Democrat Party. And, uh, and I really thought neither one really fits me at this point in time. And I wasn't going to do this in a way that wasn't who I was. You know, I'm, I'm too old to pretend to be something I'm not. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that was funny, Robert. But <laughs> no, but I, I, I agree. That's why I hear my guys like, he doesn't have any other missions but to do what's right. So, Well, that, well that's the other thing, too, I've gotten into this more. You know, I don't have to ascribe to some party theology or something, right. you know, to me it's, it's what's right for the city. And you and I talked about when you almost ran your car into one of our big holes in the uh, neighborhood, yeah, yeah. You know, that, that hole didn't have uh, a Democratic Party <laughs> or Republican Party. Republican Party. <laughs> it was a hole. <laughs> they got to say that a hole is a hole is a hole. Yeah. <laughs> You're absolutely right. So, so to close me, it's early voting from March 6th to the 19th, and election day is March 21st. March 21st. What do you have to say to, to the voters? Well, really two things. One, get out and vote. You know, the history that we've had here in Jacksonville and the last election, I think 25% of the people came out and voted. So my first encouragement is get out and vote. I know oftentimes the state and national elections get more attention, but the reality of it is, in most cases, we're more affected by what local politicians do than what's going on in Tallahassee or Washington, D.C. So my first encouragement is get out and vote. Take an interest. And, of course, the second thing is 
vote for me, Jack Meeks. I really would appreciate that. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Guys, we appreciate you for tuning in. Remember, early voting has started, so go out and vote at one of the early voting precincts. Uh, I think the polls open the 10 to 5, 10 to 6, 10 to 6, 10 a.m. to 6 uh, p.m., and it ends on the 19th, and election day is the 21st. So make sure you go out and support Jack Meeks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.